actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 today. I'm going to start this episode out a little bit differently. It was brought to my attention that a detail of one of the previous episodes was inaccurate from one of the sources I'd used. The episode I'm talking about is the Georgia escapee episode. The original article said that the neighbors held the escapees at gunpoint until police arrived. That bit wasn't accurate. Guns were there and at the ready if needed to be used, but they were never drawn. The escapees gave up there in the driveway and deputies arrived shortly after and took them into custody. Either way, it seems like the resident has about the same mindset that I do. I don't want to hurt anyone, but if it means saving myself or my family, I will. I am glad that someone like him was there and ready to leap into action if it was called for. Now, on to the episode. This one today, it's way different in several ways. Before anything else, this is a very big warning before I get into anything. In this case today, that's going to be discussed. It's extremely detailed regarding a very gruesome crime. I'm not joking when I say this is some truly nasty stuff. If you're at all squeamish, this will not be the episode for you to listen to. This is your warning up front. If you message me or post something about how you should have been warned, this is it. This is your warning. Past that, something else different. This call, it isn't a 911 call. It's a zero zero zero, or as they call it, a triple zero call. A few countries have used this number for their emergency services telephone number, but now it looks like the only country using it today is Australia. To all the listeners down that way, you'll have no problem with the accent. I believe it's very clear what's happening, but some may have a problem fully understanding 
with the accent and all. If you do have some sort of a problem with it, you can either listen to it again or just tune in for the details afterwards. There are a lot of details about this one afterwards. I'm going to throw it out there one more time before we really get going. Warning up front. Very bad call coming in. All right, let's get on with it. Welcome back to Music City 911. This is Alison from Police Emergency. We just received a call from this number. Uh, yes, I need you to get the ambulance and the police out here immediately. To which address? Please come. I need you. This is our immediate our life or death situation. Which suburb or town is that in? St. Clair, St. Clair, okay, St. Clair. So St. Clair. And what's the nearest crossroad, please? Um, what's the nearest one? Listen, can you can you talk to the neighbour? I'm flustered. Can you just talk to him? Because oh. my hand's bleeding here. Thank you. Can you talk to him? What? Hello. Hi. Yeah. What happened? I don't know. We was just at uh, um, home, but uh, she just uh, uh, come in screaming for help. And when suddenly I opened the door, she said, uh, "Just help me and call the uh, police or ambulance." And uh, she said to me, yeah, "She had a fight with uh, her mom, I think." Okay. Um, My mom tried to stab me, and I killed her. I think. So did she just say her mum tried to stab her? I don't know because of the... Yes, yes. Yeah. I don't know. And I, in self-defense, I think I killed her. Yes. Can you tell them to come immediately? Yeah, can, can you please uh, just come immediately, please? Okay, so she believes that she may have killed her her mother? Yes. Yeah, she said like this, yeah. Yes. And where is this at that where you are at the moment? So uh, who, uh, me? Yeah, so where are you at the moment? I'm, I'm, I'm in... Oh, okay, but she's... Yeah. Is she with you at the moment? Yes. Yeah, she's um, uh, in the front yard of my house. Okay, all right. Uh, so yes. how old is her mother? How old is your mother? My mom's dead, I think. But how old is she? 57. 57. 57. So is she not conscious? Nah. I stabbed her because she tried to kill me. Okay, and you didn't check if she was breathing? No, we can't go there. Yeah. The There's a kid in there. Could you come with me, please? No, I can't go. Sorry about that. Okay. There's a kid, a, a four-year-old kid yeah, on the no. phone in the house. And is her mother severely bleeding? No, because um, uh, we, we didn't go to the, uh, her house because I'm in, uh, outside of my house. Because I can't go there. Okay. Yeah, okay. okay, so do you know what the lady's name is? Can I, my fingers are broken. My yeah, fingers uh, are broken. Her mother has uh, just uh, uh, his name, uh, her name. Jessica Camilleri. Is that your name? Is that the lady's name who called? Yes, yes. Can I talk to her? 
Um, lady, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Your name's my Jessica. Fingers, my my fingers are broken. Okay. Mum has ha had enough of me because I admit I've been a challenge, and this this ongoing thing's been going for months. And months anyway. Um, she she had enough of me. She grabbed me by the hair and dragged me from my room all the way to the kitchen, and she got a knife and she tried to stab me with it. And I grabbed the knife off her because I thought she was going to stab me, so I stabbed her back. And I was so heated up with anger, I just kept stabbing and stabbing and stabbing her. And I I, I took off her head. Her head is um. I, I ran to my neighbour, not this neighbour, um, my other neighbour before this one who's on the other side. He was at work. Uh, I told him to call the ambulance and the police immediately. He's going to do so, but no one's at home because everyone in the family is at work now. Okay. So he wasn't much help. He said, all I can do is I'll call the police and the ambulance to my address. And I thought it was going to take a bit of time, so I ran to my other neighbour on the other side. Okay. Um, and I had my mum's head in my hand. I know this sounds insane, but I was taking it for evidence to show the neighbour. In the struggle, in the frustration, I didn't know what I was doing. I cut her head off. I chopped her head off with a knife. Okay, what type of knife was it? Um, th there was all sorts of knives. There was about um, seven knives. Uh, seven knives I was stabbing her with. A few of the knives broke. When that knife broke, I got another one and did the same. Where's the knives now? They're all in the kitchen. Every there's blood everywhere. There's blood everywhere. Yeah. And you're outside the house. Yes. 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 Um, the ambulance and the police have rocked up. Do you want to stay on the phone? No, that's okay. What's your phone number, Jessica? Um, look. Not, you're better off. This is my mum's phone number, but my mum's not here anymore, okay? She's gone. Okay, what's your date of birth? Um, October 12th, 1993. Over here, over here. All right, I'll let you go speak to the police. Yeah, yeah hang right. up, okay? Okay, I bye. Why can't I'm full of blood? Yes, you heard all that right. Police arrived at the scene, and believe it or not, it was even worse than what this caller had said. But before that, Let's get into the call itself. I explained a few episodes ago about the difference between asking a lot of questions and just letting someone talk. There is certainly a time and a place for both of those. If the person is hysterical, being the dispatcher, it might be better to try to interject yourself into the scenario with questions repeated if necessary and try to gain control of both the call and hopefully calm things down along the way. Then we have calls like this. This woman, who is now a 27-year-old by the name of Jessica Camilleri, she was obviously wanting and willing to just talk and give all the details. I think on multiple levels, this dispatcher did a great job. The main one being that she just let this, in the call at least, potential suspect just spill all the details about what was happening. She let the caller admit things, including stabbing her mother, doing so over and over again, likely at multiple points switching knives because she had used the other ones so much they broke, decapitating her mother, and then in her own words, taking the head over to show a neighbor for evidence. So the dispatcher, in the course of a little bit over four minutes, got the address which was redacted from the call we just listened to. She started help and updated that help along the way. She also let the caller just talk, potentially confessing to either a self-defense killing or a murder. Obviously, there are potentially very important things for a number of reasons 
and can likely be used in court in a call like this. The four minutes I mentioned, or around that time it seems, was about the response time for police to arrive to the scene. So all around, I like the job done by this dispatcher. And this is definitely something your average dispatcher does not hear every day. Just goes to show you, like I've said dozens of times, you never know what you're going to encounter once that phone rings. When police did get there, they found the caller wearing a blue flowered dress covered in blood. Apparently, she talked to police pretty quickly, saying that her mother's head is on the concrete over there and started asking if they could sew the head back on. She also asked if someone could be brought back to life with no head and later questioned that a little bit further, saying, there's nothing you can do. She's a goner, because I know doctors can do miracles. Then she asked again. They can't re-sew her head? They found things exactly as she said, but with a few even more disturbing additions. They did find a total of seven knives there. Some were broke, just like she had said. I would imagine it fit in just like the caller had mentioned. She would stab her mother until the knife she was using would break and then go get another one and keep going. Outside the house, on that concrete pathway to her neighbor's house, she had taken her mother's head for the purpose, in her words, to show proof that she had killed her mother. She was going to get the neighbor to call the police and while there, as I said, show the neighbor the head. At some point, presumably before she got to the other neighbor, the one that you actually heard on the phone, she had set the head down on the concrete pathway. It seemed like the man that was on the phone on this call, he probably hadn't seen that. I bet with her standing there covered in blood and him hearing the whole call escalate the way it was from her supposedly defending herself to her killing her mother then saying that she cut her mother's head off somebody like me if i was standing there i'd probably take a step or two back with each of those bits of information back inside the house the scene police walked into was just beyond gruesome you would imagine a scene with a headless woman laying there that would be gruesome enough it was but there was more than just that. I've read estimates that the victim was stabbed somewhere between 85 and possibly over 200 times. That by itself would be bad enough. Then you add in the decapitation. But even past that, they found the victim's nose, tongue, and eyes had been removed from her head. The tongue was found just to the right of the body. The eyes were found under the victim's neck. And what they called a piece of skin that they believed to be the nose was found under the refrigerator. They also noted that the victim's earrings were likely removed with force. In other words, yanked out. What led up to all this from what police found out 
the mother and daughter had eaten food from a restaurant called the Red Rooster. The suspect in this wanted to place a second order. An argument broke out with her mother, which seemed like it started a little bit violent with some hair pulling and stuff like that, and then just escalated from there. The suspect grabbed the hair of her mother and used it to drag her into the kitchen where she started in with the knives. The victim at one point did manage to dislodge one knife from her hands, but the suspect kept on going to get more. The majority of the wounds were to the upper body, with several defensive wounds to her arms and hands and one minor wound to the groin area. So, what made her do all this? There were a lot of factors that played into it. I'm not sure if you could tell from the phone call and pair that with the initial statements to the police, but she was decently calm about the whole thing. Jessica spoke matter-of-factly about what had happened. Beyond the obvious of the details of the crime that had just took place, something wasn't quite right at all. Jessica had a long list of mental disabilities. Some of these included autism, low IQ, ADHD, OCD, and mix those with some anger-type issues. She never had an easy life because of all this. Reports state that she was heavily bullied in school, repeatedly. Her mother was the primary caregiver. She had various therapists and other help come to be with Jessica over the years. Various medications were given in From what the mother thought, she believed they had little to no good effect on her. Her mother started seeking alternative methods of trying to help her daughter. A few months prior to the attack, she removed her from her medications. That obviously didn't have the desired outcome that she wanted. At one point, her mother paid $2,500 to a medium to try to exercise the evil from her. That obviously didn't work either. Jessica also had a fascination or obsession with numbers. She would dial random numbers on the phone. All these numbers she had chosen but would mix up to get different people. And those calls would be to those random people. But she would get fixated on some of them and call some of those numbers hundreds of times in a day. A lot of times, she was threatening violence to the party on the other line, also saying that she would cut their heads off. How did she get these ideas? She would watch very gory movies on repeat, over and over and over again. Movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Saul, and Jeepers Creepers. Her mother and sister would try to remove the movies, but... That would always end up in an argument, and ultimately, it was decided by then that it was just easier to let her watch them than try to keep attempting to remove the movies. Jessica did admit that a lot of her ideas about what she did to her mother were from these movies, but she also stated that she believed that removing her head would alleviate any pain she was in from all the stabbings. Jessica was arrested and went to court and has been sentenced to 21 years with a chance of getting out in 16 years. She was not guilty of murder. 
in Australia, the law is that the suspect would have to possess a quote-unquote guilty mind. Manslaughter, on the other hand, was the most fitting in this case. Manslaughter in Australia, and in this specific scenario, stated that she didn't have a criminal intent due to a mental defect or impairment if she, the suspect, had an abnormal mind. Here in the States, this would be the typical version of by reason of insanity. To go beyond this and into the murder, she would have to fall into having known what had happened, had the ability to control what she was doing, and also know that what she was doing was unlawful. So at this point, the manslaughter charge was what stuck. For me personally, as you've heard in the past on the show, I've given my opinion on a few of the cases on whether or not a sentence was just. I'm obviously no lawyer or judge, and past that, obviously not a judge or lawyer in Australia, but we can have our own opinions based on the crime. This one, something like this, normally I'd be quick to say death penalty or at least life in prison with no chance of parole. The factors I've talked about previously have me questioning what I would have wanted to happen. The woman is absolutely guilty of a horribly heinous act. I'm not questioning that aspect at all. What I am questioning is if the sentence she was given is what should have been given. As I said before, she got sentenced to 21 years in prison and could be out in as little as 16. My thing is, someone like this I'm not sure if prison is the right place for her for a number of reasons. I actually think she should be in a mental hospital for at minimum the time she was sentenced to and maybe for the rest of her life. A very broad generalization, but prison is typically there for two things, punishment and rehabilitation. Both are supposed to happen. If there's any chance of someone who has committed a crime can get out, they should be rehabilitated. I'm not sure that any length of stay in a prison will provide any type of rehabilitation for this woman. As stated before, she's considered autistic, OCD, has a very low IQ, ADHD, and has anger issues. She's been in prison for not quite a year and has already had problems with being bullied, and assaulting prison guards. I'm not sure that she is or will get any sort of help in there. I'm not sure, though. From what I can tell, she is in a sort of a general population setting with others. Someone like this had constant care from her mother, sometimes her sister, and other therapists. I doubt she's getting any of that in prison. Plus, her obviously volatile moods and such even when she had things to occupy her, they're all gone. I'm not saying she should walk at all from something like this. She does need to be punished, but also needs a lot of help if she is to be released one day. And that brings up something else that's troubling. Statements from her sister have been brought up. She said she wants nothing to do with her ever again. If I were in that position, I'd probably feel the same way. But from what it seems, her sister is her only remaining family other than her father who had left in 2015. 
I'm not really sure what happened to him. Chances are, when she's let out of prison, she will have nowhere to go at all. She'll have no support. She also had zero friends at all. And obviously, very mentally ill and very violent person who will just be left to roam the streets. All these factors lead me to believe that she should be put in a mental hospital, maybe or really likely for the rest of her life. And I'll give a sort of an example on my thought process behind this. And this goes back a long way. This is probably around 20 years ago, if not more than that. We have mentally ill people call us frequently. Sometimes these people call us and just ramble about some random oddities and they hang up the phone and then they go about their life. A call, maybe two from them. Then we have our regulars. These are the ones who frequently call for a variety of reasons. One we had, she would claim that children were constantly running in and out of her house. Another thought that kids were putting snakes in her house. These aren't the ones I was thinking of in this, but the overall thought in it is still valid. There was a woman that called in multiple times a day. She was an elderly woman. Every time she would call, she would be crying. Absolutely bawling her eyes out. She would tell me or whoever she was talking to that her husband was beating her. Multiple times we would send police out there and there was no evidence to back that up. No marks on her. No other signs of violence. And to top that off, her husband, who she said was beating her, was bedridden. There was no chance any of this was happening. In reality, nothing was happening to her. But in her mind, it was. It was very real to her, and it was happening frequently. She really thought all this was going on. I felt horrible for her. She was always bottom-of-the-barrel sad. Imagine the worst sad and scared mood you've ever felt in your life, and then likely multiply it, and that's how this woman was most of the time. It wasn't actually happening, but to her it was. This lasted for a good while. When the phone rang, I knew it was her. I recognized her number. I knew her address. One time, though, when I answered the phone, I was immediately changed in my own mood for her. She wasn't crying. She was talking very calmly. She said there wasn't a problem anymore. She wouldn't say why, but because of the drastic change, I immediately sent up a call for police to respond to see what happened. Police got there, and she had stabbed her husband. Back then, details were not as easy to get as they are now regarding something like that. As far as I know, and I'm not even sure about this, I believe the husband survived. They took her into custody, but I think she went to a mental hospital, not prison. My point in giving that story is that all the stuff in her mind was really happening. Her mind wasn't working like mine or yours, just like this woman. You could tell on the call she wasn't on the same playing field as the rest of us. I don't for a second believe she should be left to roam in society again, but I also don't think that prison is the right place for her. And coming from me on a 
note like this with the situation that happened, that's a big statement. I know that with an episode like this, there's still a lot to be talked about. If you haven't already, join the discussion group over on Facebook. Just look up Music City 911 podcast discussion group and click join. You can also send me messages directly on Facebook or through any other social media apps. So anything like Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. If you have none of those and prefer messages via electronic mail, you can shoot me a message to musiccity901 at gmail.com. Still looking forward to CrimeCon coming up. And a reminder, if you're going to come out to Vegas to enjoy some of the fun, be sure to use discount code MC901 when purchasing tickets. Beyond all that, be sure to share the show with anyone you think might like it. I love seeing the listen numbers go up. Especially with this episode, those down in Australia, be sure to share. Being this is an American-based podcast, the number one listened to country is America. The number two currently is Canada. But Australia, you're a close third and could easily bump them out of that number two spot. Time to get to work down there. For Music City 901, I'm Brandon, and y'all have a good one.